0: At the football overview today, Man City proved too good for Everton, but do they have flaws to exploit? Juve lose again, meaning pressure on Pino intensifies. Newcastle's fight to retain Premier League football. International result roundup. Our England starting 11s. Plus, ten forwards who could be on the move this summer, but who's best value for money? That's your roundup this week at the football overview. Hello and welcome to the football overview. Today, I'm joined by Luke Bateman. Hello, Dylan. Callum McCormack. Evening, Dil. And Johan Aslett.
1: Thanks for having me on, Dil.
0: And last week, we did our first quiz, guys, didn't we? And the quiz was 11 players who are still playing, who've scored over 400 goals. And let's be honest, guys, you didn't really do as well as I probably anticipated before. But uh, <laughs> let's hope you mean? guys... <laughs> I've got another quiz for you guys later, so you know. hopefully we'll get some uh, better answers. And also I've got some clues for you guys, just to make it a little bit easier for you, because we've only got our 30 seconds, haven't we? But your moment of the week, guys. Luke, what was yours?
2: My moment of the week was Nathan Redmond. uh I would say coming of age, but he's about 28. Um, but I would say Nathan Redmond's performance in the FA Cup against Bournemouth, scoring twice and providing an incredible assist. And he really came to life with his best performance in
3: about five years.
0: <laughs> and Callum your moment of the week
3: <laughs> my moment of the week was the damning defeat for Newcastle the 3-0 victory for Brighton uh, Newcastle are in terrible form uh, we'll be touching on it later I'm sure but yes brilliant victory for the Seagulls
0: and finally Yos, your moment of the week
3: Okay, so my
1: moment of the week is PSG's victory over Lyon. It was 4-2. It was a real relentless display in the first half, particularly going up 4-0. And it was just a great performance by a real dominant PSG side.
0: Especially that first half performance, as you mentioned, from PSG. They had 4-0 leads, and they almost let Lyon back into the game. They scored two late goals. But obviously, they had enough in the bank in the end just to get them across the line. But we're actually going to start with Manchester City, And obviously, they are through to the FA Cup semi-final, where they will be playing Chelsea, following a 2-0 win over Everton. And when you think about this run that Manchester City have been on, it all started, didn't it? Following that one-all draw against West Brom, which after that performance, I wasn't sure if Manchester City would have enough, really, to go on and win the Premier League. But since then, they have been relentless, haven't they? What in particular, guys, has stood out for you in terms of the way City have set up on this run? Obviously Cancelo has been playing at fullback, hasn't he? Pushing into midfield. Gundogan in centre midfield, pushing on. What's stood out for you, Luke, over this period where Manchester City have been so, as I said earlier, relentless?
2: The thing about this Manchester City side is, for me, it's their durability. And it took me a bit longer than other people to concede that they were definitely going to blitz the title this year because I still wasn't totally convinced. Uh, And the reason I say that is because then they aren't playing as well as they did when Pep won it the first two times. Uh, And that's a subjective thing. But in my opinion, they're not playing the sparkling football that they were playing then. And it's true they aren't uh, because they don't have the directness of a Leroy Sané. There are players in there like your Bernardo's, like your are the technical, more central players. But, however... Their durability and the fact they don't ever look like they're going to get beat nowadays, they are rock, rock solid. The foundations are stronger than they've ever been, uh, you know, since Vincent Company in his peak, maybe sort of six, seven years ago. So are they a better side than that one? Arguably, yes. Are they going to go and score eight against you like they did a couple of years ago? Uh, no, but could they go on to just win the title again next season and again the year after with this foundation? Yeah, I, I think they could.
0: What about you, Joes? What stood out for you with the way Manchester City set up and why they are so effective at the moment?
1: I've personally been really impressed by just how philosophically flexible Pep Guardiola has been with the team. Um, he hasn't really quivered you know, in making those kind of bold, necessary changes. And I think that in itself really ha- kind of has been the catalyst for the transformation in form since December. You take a look, as uh, you mentioned earlier, regarding Gun- Gundogan. Um, the transition, obviously, from a solid midfielder to a real eventful, irrepressible goal scorer right now. And also, you know, the way he's utilised and playing him on the wing. So I think much of what's unfolding is just a pure testament just to how intellectually uh, superior Pep has been. So, yeah, I think much of it much has to be attributed to uh, Pep Guardiola.
0: Yeah, and quite an interesting point that well, Luke made earlier, wasn't it, about this Manchester City side maybe not being so... They don't score as many goals, do they, as that Pep side a few years ago? But you could argue they're more effective now than they've ever been. They're conceding less goals with this fantastic centre-back partnership of Diaz and John Stones. And obviously, you mentioned they Gundogan. The amount of goals he's scored since the start of 2021, I think it's 10 goals But, Cal, are there any flaws with this Manchester City side? Obviously, they've got some tough matches coming up. I mentioned that Chelsea FA Cup semi-final. They've got Dortmund in the last eight of the Champions League. And obviously, that League Cup final against Spurs. Are there any flaws there that these teams can pick out in Manchester City?
3: I think there's always flaws in every side, no matter how dominant they are. I think, even when I watch Man City at the moment... They do seem to score in every single game and have the majority of the possession. But I still feel like when I watch them, they should be scoring more goals with the players they have on the pitch. So that's definitely something Chelsea can take into that semi-final, especially with how well they've been performing defensively of late. Um, And as you said, with Cancello pushing into midfield, despite their resilience... Uh, since that game against West Brom and how fantastic they've been defensively. We all know how intelligent Tuchel is and I'm sure he'll find a way to exploit the fact that Cancelo does push into midfield and use that as a target for his attacks.
2: Callum, as a player, which one would you rather play in? The Pep side that did the 100 points, you know, the Centurions that, and the one after that, or the side now? not just because you're a defender by trade. Which one would you rather play in?
3: I think that other Man City side, the 100-point side, it, it was it was total football, wasn't it? They used to dominate every single game. And the one or two matches where they did slip up, at least in the league, you can make an argument in different competitions, but in the league, it, it was worth those minor slip-ups for the... F- the majority of the amazing results they had. Um, so, yeah, definitely the the previous side. But that's not to take away from this current side.
0: Yeah, the only thing I'd say against that is when I think of this Manchester City side, I mentioned the two centre-backs earlier. They're a lot more solid now, aren't they, than that Manchester City side a few years ago? And you would have thought that's going to take them um, further in these cup competitions, especially when you think about the Champions League and the teams they went out to over recent years. They went out to Leon, didn't they, last year? Monaco a few years ago? Uh, Tottenham, that crazy game, wasn't it, in 2019? So, for me, anyway, I'd prefer to play in this team now because, as a player, you live for those big moments, don't you, in the cap, especially the Champions League. Yeah. That's the cap you want to win. And in this team now, I think they've got a better chance with their defensive stability to get in past, obviously, they've got Dortmund, past potentially Bayern Munich or PSG in the semi-final and going on to win that trophy.
2: After that Champions League game in, in Leon last year when they went out, Pep said, didn't he, that he was going to do something drastic next year to try and make sure they had a better chance in Europe. And basically, he's changed the whole style, hasn't he, yeah. to succeed this season in the Champions League, finally, in those latter stages, where they'll control it in a different way and where they're solid defensively. Do you think it's just incidental That they're going to also run away with the Premier League. Do you think it's also just sort of a happy bonus? I think because of that defensive stability, it means they don't have to
0: score so many goals, do they? So we've mentioned that Manchester City side a few years ago, even though they're not as ruthless, are they? You know, you mentioned Sané and Sterling and they used to just get so many goals, didn't they, from those runs in the far post, crossing the ball in. They don't score as many goals now, but they don't need to score as many because they've got that strong foundation at the back. And that's what I think is going to really take them on to the latter stages of these competitions we've mentioned before. To some Manchester City rumours now, and obviously Aguero, it looks like he's going to be leaving at the end of the season. They've been linked with the likes of Lionel Messi, haven't they, Manchester City, Haaland, Kane, and now they're being linked to Danny Ings. And obviously, Luke, you suggested last week, didn't you? <laughs> but <He> did. <laughs> That you <laughs> yeah, would sign Danny Ings for Chelsea, so it doesn't seem so laughable now with all these links to Danny yeah. Ings.
2: I didn't aim high enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: just a bit of a debate now, guys. And I'm going to list you 10 forwards who could, who could potentially be on the move this summer. And you guys, if you could pick out five of these who you feel are the best value for many. So... If I just list those 10 forwards now, so the first forward is Mbappe. He's got one year left on his deal at PSG. And obviously, if he wasn't to sign a new deal, obviously in this pandemic, we've estimated his cost as between 120 to 150 million. Kane, 28 in the summer, we've given him the same estimated value as Mbappe. Haaland, 110 million to 130. Lukaku, 80 to 100 million pounds. Sancho, 70 to 90 million pounds. And in the massive gap now to Danny Ings, twenty to twenty-five million pounds, which is the same as Ronaldo, who again has just the one year left on his deal, come the summer. And then three free agents, Lionel Messi, Sergio Aguero, and Memphis Depay. So we'll start with. Go on. We'll start with Cal. If we could have your list from five to three of those best forwards in terms of value for many.
3: From five to three. Okay. So in fifth, I've gone for one of the free agents a player of remarkable quality who's done sensational over the years in the Premier League, Sergio Aguero. I think he justifies being on this list purely because he will be free in the summer. And I think any team who could bring him in, um, if they can get a sufficient amount of games out of him, that is the one caveat of this choice, that they'd be getting a sensational um, value for many transfer in fourth, going right up to the top of the list virtually, is Mbappe. As you said, one year left on his contract. A player of sensational quality. We were discussing it on the podcast the other week um, between him and Halland. Um For for that price, and um, it, it it seems uh, almost ridiculous that we're saying value for many. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> over a hundred million pound, but. Th- he he's so fantastic still has plenty of years left in his career so it definitely would be value for money and in third I've gone for Jaden Sancho um a player I like a lot Oof. I think he has a lot of great qualities um I think for that price you'd be getting a player again similar to Mbappe who has his whole career in front of him I still think he has so much more to offer um it's a bit more of a punt because you have to be willing to have the coaches as well to progress him um but I feel he warrants that third place on on my list.
2: Yos,
0: who's on your list from 5 to 3?
3: Okay, so fifth
1: I've gone for Romelu Lukaku simply because of just how formidable he's been this season completely transforming his game. You know, I think he's actually, tech, is he second top goal scorer now in Serie A, yeah, I Yeah, just think. behind just Ronaldo. following Ronaldo. Again, I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. You know, the, almost a complete striker on his day. So, obviously, with you estimating his value, being between 8 to 100 million, in today's financial market, that is a pretty good deal. You know, given what you are getting in return. In fourth, I've gone for Danny Ings, purely because of his valuation, being at 25 million pounds. Um, of course, by all means, it's not going to be anything long term because of his, you know, just how prone he is to injuries. So I can't imagine, you know, as you mentioned, that is the reason why we don't think Man City will eventually go for him. But for £25 million, it's still a bargain. And third, I've gone for Lionel Messi. And I can understand, you know, the disputes people have on Messi, you know, given the leverage he has on teams. And obviously, speculation regarding him to a team like Man City. I think it could be somewhat counterproductive, you know, because of the influence he has, and that could discriminate all players like Kevin De Bruyne. But on a free transfer, we're talking perhaps the best player in the world right now. It's just it has to be Lionel Messi, in my opinion, given his quality. Again, he's been exemplary recently. So yeah, I've gone for Messi in third.
0: Yeah, I think if you were going to do this list a few months back, Lionel Messi. You probably wouldn't be in your top three, years, would Witty, but the form he's shown in the last month has been sensational. But Luke, who's in your list from five to three?
2: Um, you won't be surprised to know I've got a little bit more rogue. Yeah. Um, I've <sighs> I've tried to sort of predict the market we more go. seriously. Considering this is a hypothetical question, I've also started it with a hypothetical answer. I've excluded Halland from my five. I'm just going to assume that he's going to stay, and I think he should stay provided that Dortmund get Champions League football, I think he should give him one more year. I think it's a good thing for him as well. I, Yo, yeah, and I can see you despairing, but he's 20 years old. He's absolutely fine. He can stay. If he scores another 40 goals next season, that's fine. So I've excluded him and I've excluded Messi as well because I think he's going to stay. The only thing I would say about Haaland is that
0: if Dortmund don't get Champions League football next season and following that 2 yep. all draw against Cologne and the form that the likes of yep. Wolfsburg and Frankfurt are showing... Surely that's just going to push Haaland even further, you know, into that exit door. Yeah,
2: if they don't get Champions League, I think he should go. But I'm going to assume they do. In the same way, we're assuming that Ings is only worth 20 million. I think he's clearly worth about 90. Um, <laughs> this, this, <laughs> even this, with this, you this left his podcast, so you can't see my tongue uh. in cheek. Um, okay, number five. I've gone for. I'm ready for the giggles. Here we go. Memphis to <laughs> for free. Now, I put him in there because I wanted to have him in there, and I don't think he's that great. I've already mentioned Nathan Redmond on this show, and I think he's not a million miles better than Nathan Redmond, if I'm honest with you. That's hard. But, <laughs> but, I think Nathan Redmond is a poor man's to pie, put it that way. But, but, he has improved immeasurably since he left Manchester United. He has been irregularly world class for Leon, I think you could say but irregularly is the key word. I'm going to put him in there because I think for free, he is worth a punt for somebody. Uh, for If I'd have said Everton three years ago, you'd have said, my God, that would be a huge step down. But someone like that with Ancelotti, is he on the level of Richarlison? Yeah, if not better. And I think he could be quite a good signing for someone that's pushing, you know, or Leicester, someone that's pushing the top four. Fourth, I've got Aguero. Um, Callum, I didn't actually hear what you said, but I did, is that what you had in your fifth choice?
3: Uh, Aguero was my fifth choice, yes. Where,
2: yeah, I, I agree. For the same reasons, you're getting an absolute quality player if he can get games under his belt and get fit. And then in third, and this is starting to sound like I've got posters of him above my bed, it's Danny Ings. <laughs> um, for similar for similar reasons, and I, I, I'm not going to go into it loads because I talked about it last week or whatever, but I think he is a good signing for somebody, and it's value for money, this. It is value for money. Is he going to score 25 goals, so it's about a million a goal? Yeah, I think he will. Is Haaland going to score you 130 goals next season? No. And I know he's well better. But just value for money, Ings is my third.
0: Yeah, but Haaland at 20 years old.
2: I'm not saying Ings is better. I'm clearly not saying that. But I've excluded him so it makes my life easier. I'm saying he's staying. (laughs) Dortmund have got Champions League. I'm a clairvoyant. Okay, fair
0: (laughs) enough. In my list, I've got Messi in fifth. And my thinking behind that is despite the form he's shown this past month, just in terms of the wages it would take to bring in Messi into your club. In fourth place, I've gone for Danny Ings. Again, just because of that, he's just got that one year left on his contract. The fact he's just cost that 20 to £25 million. Pounds. And in third place, you might be surprised, I've got Depay in third.
1: Oh and my God.
0: Let me just explain, right? Memphis Depay for Leon this season has been very, very good. He's played like a false nine role um, and he's had... Basically, they've played with wingers who are more striker-like players. And Depay has been brilliant, dropping in, dropping into the midfield. And he's had the likes of Paqueta and Awa pushing on when he's come deep in the midfield. And he's been brilliant. And just the fact he's a free agent and that his wage would not be very high at all. For a club like, you know, Luke mentioned Everton, he would be absolutely brilliant for Everton. And especially... As a free agent, what a signing! I think that would be. But we'll come back to Callum. Your top two.
3: My top two. Well, the gentleman we were just discussing. Uh, we all can't believe he's on our list, but he seems to be on at least most of our lists. Is Memphis Depay? <laughs> he gets into my. Oh, he gets into this my. This is fantastic. <laughs> For much of the same reasons Dylan's just alluded to, he's been fantastic for Leon. not just this season, but he's been showing increasing form since he left Man United and returned to Leon. Uh, even on an international level, he's done well in what is, what has been at least a falter in Netherlands' side. If we're discussing value for money, free agent, um, low wages considerably to the majority of the players we're discussing. Um for me it's 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 a no brainer to to get this guy on a free it just it, i almost had him as number 1 um but yeah just a player of sensational quality uh, he's he's in my number 2 so going to number 1 a player excluded from luke's list is uh haland as we've already mentioned, he's 20 and he's in the goal-scoring form of his life. We don't know if it's going to... It might even get better than this. We don't <laughs> know. It might be that he only lasts a couple of seasons and burns out and he's one of these players that we you know, remember in years to come as someone who was supposed to be amazing. I don't think that will be the case. I think he will continue to flourish. He'll continue to score goals and break records. Um, and for value for money, this guy can catapult virtually any team in Europe at the moment with his goal-scoring abilities. So that's why uh, Haaland is my number one.
0: Yeah, so Memphis to pie in second place. I never thought that <laughs> that would be a thing. You know, but as I mentioned, that form he's shown at Lyon, he's worthy, isn't he, to to be in that top two. Joze, um, we'll come to you, your top two.
1: So second, I've gone for Haaland for much of the reasons as Callum's already explained. He's 20 years old. His goal scoring is unprecedented for a 20-year-old as of right now. You know, he's already been established. I don't think it's going to, to be much of a risk if a team were to obviously opt to pay the £130 million estimation you have him for. So I've gone for Haaland second purely just because of just how prolific he's been. And I think he really would replicate that form for almost any team. And first, I've gone for Jaden Sancho. Uh, not because I think he's the best player on the list by any means, but obviously the valuation of money that you'd be paying for him, you know, I think it was, was it £19 million you had him at? I think warranted first place. We're talking a player of real quality, has the potential again to be, you know, widely renowned as the top three players in Europe, obviously in five, six years' time. So I've gone for Sancho purely on the valuation
0: yeah, and I've actually gone for the same top two as you. So I've got Haaland in second place. You know, we've talked a lot about Haaland over the recent weeks, haven't we? He is a sensational player. And at just 20 years old, how good he could go on to become. And in first place, Sancho. And quite similar to the reasons I gave with Barcelona and why I would pick Sancho over Haaland for Barcelona. The transfer fee he would command and the wages. Over at the course of three, or three to four years, you're probably talking... Half the
2: money, aren't you, in terms of the wages and the fee? And finally, Luke, your top two. I said that Danny Ings was my third top choice because he's 20 to 25 mil and that represents good value because you'll probably score you 20 goals. Therefore, I couldn't not say that Ronaldo, valued by you at 20 to 25 million, would not be the next best thing up from that. So if you can get Cristiano Ronaldo for 25 million, I would say that is pretty bloody great business to be honest with you he might be on the wane he might be 37 years old but if he could go ideally it'll be back to Real Madrid so that he doesn't then have an adjustment period where he has to get used to another country another language at nearly 40 years old he will score you important goals I could definitely see him going back to well I could have seen him going back to Real next season until the president came out of Juve and said well we fully expect him to stay but I can't look past him as being pretty great value for money Um, number one and I'm pleased that no one's really mentioned this man because we can open up the floor to this I've gone for Harry Kane and don't forget I've excluded Halland because I've I've excluded Halland because of obvious reasons so I'm not saying he's better remember I've just removed him from the equation Harry Kane I'm going to just throw it out there you don't think he's worth 120 million pounds because I think the guy is absolutely world class and I think he would improve any team in in the world I'm going to say that Um, from Corinthians in Brazil to Manchester City in England. I think he is world-class, and it might be slightly controversial to say he's the best value for money there because other players are rated that that are younger, but if you want someone to score you 30 goals and assist you 20, and maybe even more in a better side than Spurs when you've got Hoiberg and Ndombele around you then I think that could represent fantastic value for money for three to five years, maybe, rather than five to ten. I'll open that up, though. Right. Yohan, why do you think that's such a ridiculous thing?
1: Well, it's ridiculous because, again, the estimation was between 120 to 150 million. And as much as I agree on your assessment of Harry Kane, saying how great he would be in utilising any team in the world in terms of you know this debate, in terms of valuation of money, I don't think he warrants, obviously, first position... Again, you know, if you could get him for for example 100 million or 110, I could understand it, but I just think 150 million for a player who's going to be 28 years of age in the summer. Again, I'm not really too sure if that is very much warranted at this stage, but yeah. And if knows? you were
2: Manu and you, you had the valuation that you've just said to me, like about 100 million, and they come back to you, Daniel Levy, and they say, No, 150, sure, do you think that's that much to pay extra?
1: Well, if you again, really want him. Well, from Man new standpoint, we have the luxury of spending unlimited funds, perhaps not. But in terms of the valuation of that player specifically, I'm not too sure. Again, if, were, if this were to be three years ago, I could understand it a lot more. But him now going to be 20 years of age in the summer, I just think there's a lot better deals on the market. But I understand exactly where you're coming from.
3: That's fair enough. I think it touches on a a larger debate which we probably won't get into now but how we as as British citizens uh, evaluate players who play in this country compared to players who play in another country Um, maybe because we watch Harry Kane week in week out and let's be honest he's having this one of the best seasons he's ever had in terms of goal contributions not just goals scored Um, and yet we we haven't really put him on our list, wrongly or rightly, you know, that's up for our our own opinion, I guess. But I do think we have a tendency to forget how good some English players and players who play in Britain actually are.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually. And when you think about how good Harry Kane's been this season, and Also, the way he's added to his game as well. Come in, we mentioned to Pai earlier, didn't we? Playing as that false nine. He drops deep now, Kane. And he plays fantastic balls through to the likes of Son. The quality of pass is just sensational. He almost plays as a number 10 now, doesn't he, Harry Kane? And he would get into any other team in the world. He is that good at the moment. I'm not sure if I can see him at Spurs next season. I think it just all comes down to value, doesn't it? And whether teams have the money during a pandemic to splash out that kind of money. I just want to quickly mention Leicester's 2-1 win over Manchester United. And they made a lot of changes for this match, didn't they? From the Europa League win against AC Milan. And this leaves Solskjaer with only one more chance, really, now to win a trophy. And that's the UEFA Europa League. However, obviously, we need to give credit to Leicester. Some of the transfer business they've done over recent years has put them in a great position to not only go on and win the FA Cup potentially with Southampton in the semis, but to get that Champions League spot in the Premier League as well. To Serie A now. And just before I mention Juventus, AC Milan came from 2-1 down to win 3-2. Key win there if they want to really challenge Inter Milan this season. Napoli, 2-0 win against Rome. puts huge pressure now on Juventus, who lost 1-0 against Benevento. And I'm not sure if you saw the goal from Benevento, but basically, Artur, shocking play. Basically, he passes the ball across the goal. The Benevento striker intercepts, easy goal, shocking from Artur. And that puts Juventus in huge pressure now. Before this week, I think their aim still would have been to go on to win Serie A. But following this week now, they're under huge pressure in that top four, as I mentioned before. And some interesting points from Pilo after the game. He said he's not been able to get in the players' heads. And some echoes of Lampard here. He said after the game, it's the players' responsibility. They're the ones making mistakes. And there's nothing wrong with his game plan. So, using Ronaldo last season with Sarri Ball, now with Pirlo, a coach with no prior experience. Was this always destined for failure at Juve? We'll start with Cal.
3: Yes, in short. Pirlo was never going to be... A success. Um, he's not like Zidane, who carried games in terms of his charisma, his personality. Pirlo, you know, very much a cool man, very classy on the ball, very unassuming on the pitch. Um, it never seemed like he was going to be the man to come in with no previous managerial experience and catapult this Juventus side to whatever their ambitions were this season, because clearly they're gone now, whatever they were originally. Touching on the goal against Benevento, Pirlo does have a point-ish, I guess, in saying that it's the player's responsibilities because a coach can't justify a mistake like that. There's no coach in the world that wants Artur to play that pass in that scenario. So in that one circumstance, I can see where Pirlo's coming from. But of course, it's his responsibilities to to get the players playing, to get the team performing. You know, this isn't just one incident in one game against a side who are only having their second ever season in Serie A or in their history. Mistakes have happened time and time again. And OK, they haven't led to goals as obviously as Artur's has. But just the way they're playing, I feel like I'm saying it almost every week now, but this Juventus side, it's appalling. There are sides with a quarter of the funds who are playing far better football across Europe. It's an embarrassment, really, to the club. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Ronaldo wanted to leave this summer because a player of his quality deserves far better than the performances they're putting out as a whole this season.
0: Yeah, you mentioned there that you can't comprehend for such an error from our tour but not to score against Benevento. That's surely a huge issue for Juve, Luke.
2: Yeah, it is. And I don't want to repeat either what I would say every week, same as Callum, is that this just does not seem to be functioning well at all under Perlo. I just want to pick up slightly on, Callum, what you were mentioning about the personalities of the coaches and that Perlo is quite a dour and quite a thinker and quite uh, low, low level. Um, You don't hear a lot from him. He doesn't make headlines, whereas uh, someone like Zidane is a little bit more charismatic. You know, you don't have to be charismatic and shouty. You don't have to be Klopp. For every Klopp, there is an Ancelotti. There's a Benitez that are a bit quieter, a bit more methodical. However, what Zidane did get was the caretaker thing, and he had great success as the caretaker initially. Then he got the job, then continued to do great, and then left and has come back again as an established, inverted commas, manager. Do you think it might have been beneficial... Yohan, have have this one, because you probably know more than I do. But do you think it would have been beneficial when they sacked Sarri to have maybe sacked Sarri before the end of the season and given Perlo, who was clearly then going to be the successor anyway, a couple of games at the back end of the season if they knew they were going to sack Sarri anyway? And so he could have had a caretaker bounce going into the job rather than starting as the permanent manager, which we know often is when players start to down tools, like with Solskjaer.
1: Well, yeah. That would have been the logical thing to do. I think the issues were pretty much exposed regarding him tactically in the um, Porto game. The midfield was very dysfunctional, occupying similar positions. And again, you can really tell if a team hasn't really been coached professionally or properly and him coming out now, lamenting his players, I think signifies the end of his time duration as Juventus manager. And I can't really see him being there much longer. So yeah, this situation is very much self-explanatory for what it is. No experience, and this is just the inevitability of that.
0: There were some really interesting quotes from Allegri after the game. Basically, he was talking on, I think it was Sky Sports Italia. And what he was saying is that maybe there's nothing actually wrong with PLO's game plan. However, in football games, your game plan can go out the window within five minutes. And it's that experience, isn't it? Of a manager to know what to do in a certain situation. For example, what weaknesses can he exploit in Benevento? How can he just calm down his Juventus players following that Artur pass across the goal? And going back to what Luke was saying there, making Pilo caretaker manager. They actually gave Pilo the job of under-23 coach. And then just a few days later, Mm -hmm. I think it was, or it was definitely within a week, they gave him the permanent job. You mentioned Zidane. He's more than a week. You mentioned Zidane, he took charge of the Real Madrid B team, then he was caretaker, then he was permanent manager. Even Lampard, he had that year at Derby to give Pello the job off the back of no prior experience is absolutely incredible, isn't it?
3: Yeah, definitely. It's outstanding. I mentioned before the decisions Juventus have made over the last couple of years. None of them seem to make any sense w- when put together with their other decisions. It's truly remarkable that they haven't had a massive failure before this season, really, relying probably on their foundations built before they started making these crazy business choices. Touching on what Luke said about for every klop there's an Ancelotti, that's definitely true. I don't dispute that at all. But I think... The personality of Pirlo and the lack of experience combined, it was never going to work when you don't have one or the other.
0: Yes, yeah, some really interesting points there with Pirlo. And you just think that teams now, surely they've got to learn from these mistakes. There's talk of Xabi Alonso now being appointed the Borussia Mönchengladbach manager. And to be fair, he has been the coach of the B team at Real Sociedad. However, you think there's stepping stones, isn't there? you were the second coach at Real Sociedad, maybe get a bottom La Liga job and then look at the likes of Bruschen, Munch and Gladbach. But these teams never seem to learn. But anyway, to the La Liga title race now very quickly and Barcelona were sensational in their 6-1 win over Real Sociedad. Messi, who surpassed Xavi's appearance record in this game, was brilliant. Usman Dembele, Callum's favourite player, was also brilliant. And the two wing-backs as well, Dest with the two goals and Jordi Albert were superb. Benzema was in the goals again with two early strikes in their 3-1 win over of Vigo. And Atletico Madrid scraped past Alaves 1-0 in that match. Suarez back in the goals at a much-needed time as well. Oblak's first penalty save late in the match saved Atletico Madrid three points. And that was his first penalty save since 2018. And I'm not sure if you saw this, guys. The Sevilla goalkeeper, Bono, scored a goal... In the 94th minute, absolutely sensational for a goalkeeper to score. But we're actually now going to move on to the Premier League relegation fight. And in particular, Newcastle. Now, Newcastle fans have been criticised at times, haven't they? For the treatment they've given to Bruce. And, you know, the pendants were saying, What do you want? Bruce got you to 13th place in the Premier League last season. But is this now showing that the Newcastle fans were right all along and this was never sustainable with Steve Bruce? If we start with Luke, obviously, as a Newcastle fan.
2: I thought you were going to come to me first. Um, this is really difficult to try and put into, you know, a one-minute monologue response. It's also quite difficult not to swear and shout about it because I'm pretty angry and I'm pretty distressed about it. Um... I wish you could hear, you know, I wish I I could bottle my emotions throughout, since Christmas, I would say, about the way that we've been playing, especially. It's very hard to articulate it in one thing, but basically what is going wrong is that the manager finished his cycle probably November, December time. And what we're seeing is three months past a point, the manager has lost the dressing room, the manager has lost the fans and the players have essentially down tools. And can you imagine getting to that point, which we've seen with many managers, we see it every single season. We've seen Lampard get to that stage this season. Um, we've seen others get to that stage as well and gone. Wilder has potentially got to that stage just before he then parted ways. And we're now seeing three months past that point. So we've essentially wasted what 12 fixtures or something. We've got two wins in 20, which is, you know, that's four wins in a season, if you keep that up, which is the worst ever, isn't it? Um, The form is absolutely abysmal. They can't score any goals, which, you know, there has been injury problems, I'll give you that. There's no Alan saint Maximan at the moment, there's no Almiron, there's no Wilson, Um, and it's not like we were playing fantastic winning football with them anyway, so all they are is hope, and hope is all you can have in a relegation fight. Uh, This has been... If we go down here, this will be the third under Mike Ashley uh, in however long he's been there, 11 years or something. Mm. But the most annoying thing is how avoidable it's been. If you can see that your car is slowly on fire before you set off on the journey but you decide to set off anyway and think you might be able to get away with it because you're too arrogant to want to go to get it fixed at a a, you know whatever it's called (laughs) mechanics place (laughs) a a, a garage i haven't driven for a long time (laughs) Uh, you know that that analogy was going swimmingly until i mucked (laughs) it up but you, you get what i'm saying yeah. It's it's the arrogance of it. Yeah. Um, the people that run that football club are Mike Ashley, who's the owner but doesn't know anything about football and is currently in the Middle East, <laughs> Lee Charnley, who um, doesn't know anything about football either, and Justin Barnes, who's a lawyer. Oh. And they make the footballing decisions. In a nutshell, Bruce should have gone a long time ago. I never want him to be here, but I was prepared to give him a, a relative amount of credit for what he did last season. He managed to... And people will then accuse me of just saying, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't criticise him for things that weren't his and then praise him for things that that weren't his either. But last year, I'm telling you, the defensive resilience and the character was a hangover from the players that had worked with Rafa. I'm, I'm not saying that Bruce didn't do some things right. I think he's pretty good at morale. I think when things are going well, just like Pardew was when we came fifth, I think he's good at keeping the train going when people are happy. But... There is no tactical awareness. He, I believe he has the worst Premier League record of any manager that's done more than 300 games in the Premier League. I could go on and on, but I, it's hard for me to sit here and say they're going to go down because I can't be objective about it because I really don't want that to happen because I don't think we'll come back. But we deserve to go down. And I prefer to watch Brighton and I prefer to watch Fulham. And we've been as bad as West Brom and Sheffield. It's just come later in the season. So if that's really my piece. Otherwise, I could go on for five hours.
1: <laughs> okay, Luke. So, as a Newcastle fan, who would you like to see being introduced as an ex-manager, if given the scenario if they were to sack him, which seems pretty probable now? Yeah, right now, right now, with the with the choice you have right now, he's at West Brom. It's
2: almost it's <laughs> it's almost irrelevant who actually comes in because it's more about getting rid of the bad element. When they got rid of Mourinho for Solskjaer. It didn't really matter who came in. We didn't know he was going to get the permanent job at that time. In fact, you wouldn't have put a million quid on it. We, it was just the bounce and it was just having someone else light. I, I almost, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I almost wouldn't mind not having a manager and have Graham Jones, assistant coach, take over. We've got nine games. Um, Alan Shearer got seven when we went down. Benitez got 11 when we went down. And so it really doesn't matter, actually, who comes in. Ideally, I'd have loved Eddie Howe, but it's too late. I'd have even taken Wilder if things had gone a bit earlier. And that's my dream, by the way. (laughs) That's my realistic dream to have those two, let alone, you know. So really, I don't think it matters. I just think he has to go because then something can change. Even if it gets worse, something has to change.
3: At a time where they need a bit of luck, the the bad luck is just compounding. And when you have Steve Bruce dropping players like Matt Ritchie, who's an incredible grafter, probably the best grafter in that Newcastle side bar maybe Almiron, um dropping him because Matt Ritchie told Bruce a few home truths it just shows that everything that's wrong at the club at the moment the decision making from top to bottom is is just dreadful and we all know if Newcastle do get relegated Ashley will come out he'll apologise say the fans need better they deserve better say that you know he'll come out and he'll put some money into the club hopefully like he has the previous times when they've been relegated, but it's not enough. Uh, you know, it's a stadium of fifty thousand plus uh, capacity. It, it, the 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 whole city lives and breathes football. It, it, you see it walking down the streets, and it's it's just incredibly sad to see such a such such a what I consider a traditional Premier League club, such a flamboyant football in in the history to see them playing how they're playing now it, it's is saddening and newcastle are definitely one of the favorites to be relegated now uh, i can't see any other outcome
0: yeah it's such a shame isn't it to see a club with such heritage isn't it you mentioned there the 50,000 fans that are there at st james's park every week obviously when there's no pandemic but you walk down the streets and straight away you realise how much Newcastle means to those to the people of Newcastle, isn't it? You see the Newcastle tops on the streets and everybody's talking about Newcastle and you know the rumours surrounding the club and everybody's just they're just looking forward, aren't they, every week to that game and it's such a shame when you look at the quality of football they play at Newcastle. I think all Newcastle fans want, isn't it? Is just a good brand of football. A modern approach where they play attacking football and they every Saturday they play to win. Not to defend and just sit back and hope to counter. You know, and you mentioned Eddie Howe there. I would love to see Eddie Howe there at Newcastle next season. Even if they get relegated, they can start again. Eddie Howe, I think, would be the perfect manager for
2: Newcastle also just on style of play and wanting to win every week and not wanting to defend. It's actually not even that, uh, because under Rafa, there there were some games where, you know, it's 5-4-1 and it is objectively as defensively as you can get, but it is the idea that there is thought and there is a plan and that translates into hope. So the idea that there's a plan is literally all that Newcastle fans are asking for. It actually would be fine if we could defend, but the point of spending a season watching a team that is set up to defend but isn't good at defending is a complete recipe for disaster. So it is simply just to have a plan and some thought, and that is the most frustrating thing because I don't think Bruce actually knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, we're going to move on to the internationals now and some interesting results from midweek. So yesterday, Belgium beat Wales 3-1. It was actually a really good goal, wasn't it, from Wilson? But, you know, those old defensive flaws that Wales have had now for quite a while, especially when they play against those big teams. France drew one all with Ukraine. Really poor result there, despite Griezmann's sensational left-footed strike. Absolutely brilliant, that was. Turkey beat Holland 4-2. And a blast from the past, Yilmaz with a hat-trick. Absolutely brilliant play. He's been absolutely brilliant for Lille this season. Portugal beat Azerbaijan by the skin of their teeth. Slovenia beat Croatia 1-0. And finally, Serbia came from behind to beat Ireland 3-2. And I'm not sure if you saw Mitrovic's chip, an old Newcastle player. Absolutely sensational goal that was. But moving on to England now, and you look at those results from midweek, and I think if Southgate can get it right come the summer... There's nothing for england to fear is there when you look at those other teams and just before we come on air i asked you guys for your starting england 11 against croatia in their first match obviously in the summer in the european championships what have you gone for Yose, as your starting 11
1: i've gone for a 4231 formation i went for pickford in goal uh, trippier right back stones maguire two centre-halves, Luke Shaw left, uh, two holding midfielders, I've gone Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice. On the right, I've gone for Marcus Rashford, uh, and then Sancho on the, on the other wing, and then Kane up top.
0: Who's in your attacking midfield?
1: Oh, Grealish, did I, oh, Grealish, didn't I mention that? <laughs> so,
3: sorry, yeah, Grealish is my, yeah, I, I forgot it, yeah, sorry. What, mm.
2: Voluntary choosing to play with ten men, like <laughs> <a> cocky, <cookie>.
3: rebellious. <laughs> one, one quick question: Have have you watched Trippier like at all it, since since the last tournament? I know he had that free kick against Croatia, but for, starting right back really yeah. ahead okay. of all the other right backs available. Oh, all the other right backs. Who we got, Cal? Please tell me. Uh, Trent. Well, quite a lot. Trent. Cal Walker. Reece Reece James.
2: James. Wamba Saka. Yeah.
1: yeah okay. Own. Yeah, Reese James,
3: pretty flawed in itself. Well, I'm only looking for one, which is Trent. Really, that's that's. Oh, that's nice. yeah, but Trent's not even know. in the England
0: <laughs> squad because of his form.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, then you can argue. He can't about defend. That. <laughs> Neither could Trippier. The main there, component really. as
1: a right back is the ability to defend, and he can't do that. You have to exclude him. So why is
3: is Trippier a better defender than Wan Bissaka then?
0: No, but Wan Bissaka well, no, can't cross the ball again, for his life.
3: So we're just going True. with the average Joe, master of all yeah. trades.
1: Yeah. You know, I, yeah. literally, okay. as you mentioned, as, as then, as that with, like, is literally standard. my logic behind that. That is literally the logic. Okay. As, I don't as think as he's sublime by any means. But... Yo, and
2: I think it's more interesting <laughs> if you just tell us why you've chosen him, because I, I don't think, judging from this, any of us have chosen Trippier. So I think okay. it'd be interesting to hear like, the yeah. positive, why you want to choose him.
1: Well, again, I think perhaps he is better as a wingback. By all means, he's not a brilliant right back. He still is flawed. Again, there's not re- there's not really an attribute to which you can really put as higher than a seven out of ten. His crossing ability, think, goes, again, is brilliant. This season, uh...
0: He's the best crosser of a ball of a right back I've seen, apart from Trent, okay. and his form's right. poor. Apart from Trent. <laughs> yeah, but his, his
2: form's <laughs>
1: You know awful. you can select him.
2: <laughs> <sighs> uh yeah, and I, I think you've talked yourself out I, of it.
1: I just thought it was the convenient selection. I mean, there's mm. not really a bad attribute that you can assign to him. So I thought, just for that guarantee of just consistent, solid right back, I just thought it was just a convenient thing to say.
2: I've just realised you're all Welsh. <laughs> of course you're going to sabotage <laughs> it.
3: You've got no motive at all. Yeah, wait wait till you see my start at 11. They're all in the championships. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to rebuke this. Okay, so I had something that we didn't discuss then was I had Pickford in goal. Um, I think there's a strong argument to start Dean Henderson, who I actually think is a better goalkeeper than Hen- uh, than Pickford. But considering that he hasn't had that international experience, he's not first choice at Man United yet. I don't think it's the right time for him to come in. So I'll go across the back four. A lot of this team is actually similar to is it's, it's a 4-2-3-1. It's a Uh, I have Shaw, Maguire and Stones uh, alongside Trippi. No, I'm only joking. Uh, Alongside Trent. Um, Uh. As my midfield two, I have Henderson and Rice. Uh, Going from left to right uh, in the midfield, the sort of attacking three, I have Sterling, Grealish and Sancho. And the captain, of course, Harry Kane up top, who's going to lead England to hopefully the knockout stages. No, Rashford. Right, it, honestly, it was. You should see my post-it note here. I have about five names. <laughs> I would love to see it. That I, well, you can't really. But they, <laughs> no, they are, it, it's got about five names here that I've scribbled out and replaced okay. for that left wing position. The, honest. Right. My my thinking was against Croatia. Likely, they're going to sit deep, and I thought Sancho, Grealish, and Sterling were a better fit. Um, for Croatia that was just my how I reasoned it Rashford I think should be starting for England but in that side I don't see in the side that I just picked I don't see how he gets in and what
0: I find quite interesting is you guys have chosen a back four and the reason I say this obviously England they went into the Nations League didn't they I think in that tournament they showed that the centre-backs are just not good enough for me to play that back four with I know John Stones is playing better now, but I just can't envisage a back four of John Stones, Maguire, Luke Shaw, and then potentially Trent Trippier, whoever you go with. I just can't see that winning a Euros. And that's why, for me, I've gone with a... It's sort of a 5-2-3. So in goals, I've got Pickford. Back three, in the middle, I've got John Stones. He He performed that role brilliantly in the 2018 World Cup. On the right, I've got Joe Gomez. Obviously, he's had some injury troubles. So if he couldn't be fit, you're looking at the likes of Godfrey, who could potentially come in that right centre-back role. Left centre-back, you've got Maguire. Again, did that role brilliantly in the World Cup. Left wing-back, I've got Saka, who did the role brilliantly for Arsenal earlier in the season. Right wing-back, I've got Trippier, who again was brilliant in that role in the World Cup. (laughs) Fantastic crosser of the ball. At Atletico Madrid, guys, he is absolutely brilliant across on the ball. And as a wing-back, you get plenty of opportunities to do that. As my two holding midfielders, I've got Jordan Henderson and then Mason Mount. What he's going to do for me is basically he's going to play holding midfield without the ball. But then with the ball, he's going to push forward into a more box-to-box centre midfield. On one wing, I'm going to have Foden, who again with possession will move into the midfield. And then a front two of Harry Kane and then... It sort of depends who you're playing. So against Croatia, Callum mentioned earlier, they'll drop deep. So I've gone with Sancho for that ability to break down the lines. But then if you're playing against a team who are going to leave space to exploit on the counter, you go with Marcus Rashford. So you'd have a front two of Harry Kane and Rashford.
3: I like that side. Um, Earlier when you asked this question, I did draft two sides, one with a back five and one with a back four, to see what I preferred. I just found it interesting how... um, Kyle Walker, in your opinion, wouldn't get in on on that right sort of right centre back position. I believe he's played there before at international level. Um, I can't remember the tournament. Yeah, he he played in the World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, I thought it was. um, And they performed pretty well. I was just wondering um, why he was omitted from your side.
0: Well, if you watch the semi-final against Croatia, I think that performance showed why England cannot play Carl Walker as the right centre-back in this Euros. It was two Carl Walker mistakes, wasn't it? He's playing right centre-back, so he's coming in from England's left side, isn't it? And he just can't read the ball. He doesn't open his body out. Gary Neville's picked it out a few times on Monday Night Football. When the cross comes in, he doesn't open his body out. And as a right centre-back, that is so key. And if the wing-back gets pulled out, it's your job to come across with the rest of the back three. And if you can't do that job, in those key games in the Euros, those fine details can make that difference. And that's why I'd go with your Joe Gomez or your Ben Godfrey's. Uh,
3: yeah, it's a very good point. I, I, immediately I'm thinking of when uh, Man City played, got knocked out against Wigan and Carl Walker was at fault for virtually the same sort of positional error. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, and Luke, you are starting 11.
2: Uh, after that tactical revolution, this feels a bit <laughs> vanilla. Um, but it is, <laughs> it's is—it's exactly the same as Callum's, bar one change. Uh, so just to remind you, that is Pickford in goal. Um, I don't think he is necessarily the best keeper. I think Henderson is actually probably all-round better and will go on to be better. But as Gareth Southgate always says, Pickford has never actually let England down once yet. So as much as I love laughing at him in the league when he makes mistakes, he hasn't let England down. Trent is at right back. I, I I completely concede he really hasn't had a good season, but he is quality, and I think a distraction from club, it could be good for him. Rejuvenated, I don't know, but he is technically, I think, probably the best right back we've got. Stones Maguire, sure left back, inner back four. Rice Henderson sitting. Uh, one's had a brilliant season, and one's had a couple of brilliant seasons and a bit of a dip this year. I've got Sterling. On one wing, I've got Grealish, who is an absolute must. On the other, I've got Kane up top, and in the whole, I really debated. I think Mount probably will start, and I actually have no problem with it because I think he's he's been brilliant recently. Um, and against Croatia, we probably will, but I've forgotten the fact we're playing Croatia and just sort of gone for my ideal eleven. And I've gone for Foden because there are certain players you just watch all the time, you watch every week, and I keep saying to my, you know, to my English <laughs> friends. Um, I keep saying that he's got to start. He's got to start. And we've done it with Madison this season. We've done it with Mount. We've done it with other players like Mings and and Phillips as well. But I'm going to go with my gut and play Foden in there as well. So I'm leaving out Rashford-Sancho, who I think, by the way, are going to be better impact subs than uh, Foden or Grealish might be because they're explosive. They've got pace and power. So that is my England eleven.
3: I think um, in regards to Foden, he's one of the most raw and talented players you have and he could light up your your england side but also i feel he could be the downfall to your side i i think it it is really a a coin toss what he would do in that england side because we're so used to seeing him in a in a pep guardiola side you know side that's so tactically astute um It'd be interesting to see him in any other side, really, um, but uh, definitely in an England side.
2: It's a fair point. I think he won't start. um, So it is purely this is my team. He won't start, to be honest, because I don't think he's had enough experience in in that England team and especially not in a big game. So I think he won't. But that's my fantasy. Mm -hmm. Just before we move on, guys. Not my. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just before I move on, guys. Not my sexual fantasy, <laughs> that's my football fantasy. <laughs> I just want to talk about Trent, just very quickly. I know we've touched on it briefly before. Please do. But would you really trust Trent as your right back in a back four come the Euros? Surely he's shown for Liverpool this season that you can't trust him defensively when he hasn't got that pressing mechanism, isn't it, of the Liverpool team. I don't think Gareth Southgate somehow is going to be able to create... Uh, Klopp's Liverpool side from last year overnight, is he? You think about an international manager. They have a few weeks, don't they, before a tournament. Surely he can't rely on Trent, as your right
3: back, and the Euros. From a defensive point of view, there are definitely better options. For a player who's played on the big stages, the composure he's going to have, he's levels above many of the other options, not all, but many. And I just think what he gives going forward is so much above the rest I know what you're saying In a lot of that is due to the high press and granted that's a good point but I'm just picturing him and Sancho on the wing with Grealish drifting out to that side Henderson or Rice tucking in to cover John Stones floating out into that sort of right back space it all makes sense to me and you are going to get scary moments with Trent as your defender. There are going to be moments where you hold in your breath and you can't believe that he's just done that. But then Lloris had that moment in the World Cup final. you just got to hope that at that point where Trent makes that mistake, England are already a good few goals ahead. But Trent, for me, is one of the best right-backs in the world. And even with his poor form this season, his underlying stats above all the other players in the Premier League. So that's my argument for having Trent. Why he's been omitted from the squad is beyond me, but in the squad and in the starting lineup. Just before we finish, guys, we've got another quiz, end of
0: the show quiz. And there are 14 players from European countries with over 110 caps that are in line to join their national sides in this year's European Championships. And I'm not going to expect you to just pick this out of a hat. So I'm going to give you some clues, guys and I'm going to quickly list the country and the club that these players currently play for. Okay, so we've got a player from Spain and Real Madrid, a player from Portugal and Juventus, a player from Croatia and Real Madrid, from Portugal and Wolves, from Slovakia and IFK Göteborg, from Sweden and AIK who play in Sweden. From Belgium and Benfica. From Spain and Barcelona. France and Tottenham. Sweden and AC Milan. Poland and Bayern Munich. North Macedonia and Genoa. (laughs) Portugal and Porto. (laughs) Sorry, what was that last one? Portugal and Porto. And one more, Belgium and Borussia Dortmund. In case you have 30 seconds, guys, to complete that list.
3: Jesus, 30 seconds. All right.
0: Dylan, can you give me the Sweden one again? Yes, we've got from Sweden and AIK, who again play in Sweden.
2: Yep, absolutely no good for me, that one. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't believe you have got the, uh, the North Macedonian <laughs>
2: I do know a player from North Macedonia, but he doesn't play for Genoa. Alioski is North Macedonian, isn't he? Yeah, from Leeds, that's right. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. If you just said Leeds instead of Genoa, I'd have been all over it. <laughs> Five, four, Easy. three, two, one.
0: Pens I'm down, two, guys. Right, one down. Okay, so from Spain and Real Madrid, who is it?
1: Ramos. Ramos, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, everybody Ramos. got that. From uh,
0: Portugal and Juventus. Ronaldo, Ronaldo. yeah. Croatia and Real Madrid, Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Portugal and Wolves.
3: Moutinho,
0: Moutinho. Patricio. Oh, oh what? It no, it is Moutinho.
3: Yeah. I forgot he existed. It, <laughs> it was, ru- it was ru- There's so many Portuguese players there. Yeah. When, as soon as I thought of Patricio, I just thought I had it.
0: So, guys, keep track of your marks now. So, Slovakia and IFK Göteborg. Is it Hamshik? Great shout. Yes, it is.
3: Oh, good shout. Oh. Well done. Well done, Bateman. When I, when
2: I can get a haircut, I'm going full hamshik. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: from, Swe- from Sweden and AIK. No.
3: Is, is, is it no, I mean. is it Olaf Malberg? Is he still playing? No. You do wow. know this player, though, guys. <laughs>
0: used to play for Birmingham. Is it Seb Larson? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, Seb Larson. Oh,
1: no. He's still knocking about. <laughs> yeah. What what the? Oh. How
0: old is he? I don't know. And Sunderland. He's getting on now, isn't he? But yeah. Belgium, and Benfica. <laughs> uh,
3: Belgium and Benfica. Belgium and Benfica. Any oh, ideas? It's, it's, it's Yeah.
2: Oh, of
1: oh. course. Oh,
2: damn it. Oh, I forgot
0: he
1: was there. Oh. Spain no, was
0: and somewhere. Barcelona.
3: PK? PK. Yeah, yeah, PK. That's who I went for.
0: No. Nope. Sergio Busquets. Albert.
3: Oh <laughs> yes! Oh, geez. is Pico not there yet?
0: He's not on this list. 110 caps. He might be on the list for 100, oh, really? but not 110. Oh, I thought that was in the bag. Yes, yeah, so I did. France and Tottenham. Lloris. Yeah. Yeah. Sweden and AC Surely. Milan.
3: Ibra. Zlatan.
0: Yeah. Poland and Bayern. Le- uh,
3: Lewandowski. Lewandowski.
0: North Macedonia and Genoa. Come on, guys. I know one of you guys have got this.
2: Is it Tony Blair?
3: <laughs> <laughs> is it Is it Jones? No. It's actually Phillips.
0: Goran Pandev. Who? Oh. Goran Pandev. I'm, yeah,
3: I remember him. Who's that? Used to play
0: for Mourinho's Inter Milan team. 37-year-old playing for Genoa still. Portugal and Porto. Pepe? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Pepe.
0: And, He's still... Oh, okay. And finally, Belgium and Borussia Dortmund. Is this Axel Witzel? Yeah. No, We're he done. doesn't pl- Does
1: he play? I thought he
2: yeah. left. I think Luke won that, didn't he? How, I,
1: how,
2: I, think yeah, I think I've won that it, one.
3: Yeah, was... th- we don't need to totally... All right, we won't, we won't
2: totally let
0: that. We won't embarrass you guys. <laughs> <laughs> But just before we go, guys, instead of your match to look out for over the next week, who are your international team that you will be keeping an eye out over the next week? So just decide that you'll be keeping an eye out on the results heading towards the Euros. If we start
2: with Luke. Well, as the only Englishman on this podcast, I will say England, but more specifically, we are playing, as of this very evening, the legendary San Marino, the uh, random offshoot of Italy that is, for some reason, (laughs) a national team. Um, And so I'm going to be focusing on San Marino. I'm going to be focusing a lot on their defensive shape. I'm going to be focusing a lot on the fluidity of their attack. And if they manage to score one more goal between now and the expiration of their Club. Um, Club. So I'm looking forward forward to see how they perform against England and whether they do concede an odd number or an even number below or above 12. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, Yos, your
1: international
2: team to look out
0: for over the next week.
1: Well, I guess I'll just go for Portugal because, again, they're a team of much potential given the quality of players they have. And, yeah, it's just going to be pretty intriguing to see how all those high-calibre players gel. So purely on that basis, um, and again, I think they are going to be competing again to retain their Euros uh, title, so I'm going to go with Portugal. and
2: yeah, well, just one word answer. Sure. Have they got the most exciting squad in Europe at the moment? Absolutely. Oh
1: yeah, theoretically, yeah. if you're going by the players, I think that's hard to refute.
2: I-, I think so, because yeah, the list is absolutely unbelievable, isn't it?
1: It really is, yeah.
0: Although with France, with the likes of Mbappe, you know, the list is endless: Usman, Dembele, Giroud, Lamar. Um... Giroud,
3: strange, the... strange choices. <laughs> end, if I'm yes, he fair. I didn't really think that through, not... did I? <laughs> You've drawn not... a blank. I'm not even sure Lamar gets into the French squad, <laughs> does he? No, I... no, he's talking
2: about Lamar, the singer. He's <laughs> transition. But, Cal, your team to look out for
0: over the next week,
3: with a view in the Euros, I think. They could potentially be dark horses, Italy. With Mancini, they are a side that I think could do well, could really surprise us. Um, you can never rule out the Italians in any international tournament. So they're a side actually who I will be keeping an eye on their results and their performances.
0: Yeah, a player who's performed brilliantly for Italy is Barella for Inter Milan. He's been brilliant for Inter, brilliant for Italy. And I'm really looking forward to see how he plays in Mancini's side, over the next few fixtures. But that's all we've got time for on the football overview this week. We'll have new episodes every Friday evening. Thanks to Luke, thanks to Carl, thanks to and yeah, we'll see you again for another episode next week. See you then.
2: I love I absolutely love tanning the best value striker in the universe, I think so.